Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Week number two of a series, We Are Coastline, where we're really unpacking not just like our new name, but the heartbeat, the DNA, if you will, the, p- the pillars, the, the vision of this place. And, and so Pastor Andy kicked us off last week into that. And uh, if you haven't listened to it, or if you're maybe you're, you're brand new this week, can I encourage you to go back and listen to Pastor Andy's message? Because it really kicks off the whole series. If you're watching online today, like go back, like if you've been at home, go back and listen to week one because it really helps you, helps us kind of shape forward this whole series. Um, I want to say too, like, this, this series is about helping you understand the foundational pieces that makes us Coastline Church, that makes us us. And, and, and although we have a new name, so much of us is still the same, and so we want to kind of unpack that uh, together. Um, Pastor Andy described something really interesting last week. He talked about how we are a home. We are a home, and how we are a home of revival, that we were born out of revival, and that even in meeting God, knowing Jesus, that revival starts right here. It starts right here, even for the individual, that to meet God, there's a revival that's birthed even in us. And so we kind of want to pick up off of that idea that we are a home and move into this week, which is we are free. That's the title of today's message. We are free. What do I really mean by that? We'll, we'll, we'll unpack it throughout this whole, this whole message. We've been using Isaiah 61 kind of as a springboard, and I didn't mention this at the nine, but I think, it, I think it's encouraging for you to know. Um, Isaiah 61 is the springboard for us to kind of unpack the pillars of our church. And in Isaiah 61, it's a prophetic message. It's a prophetic word about the ministry of Jesus. I was reading a commentary this week that literally says, if you want to know what Jesus would do, you can read Isaiah 61. This is what his ministry would look like. This is what Jesus will do. What's interesting about this passage is, it, is, is that Jesus actually reads it out in Luke 4 and says, like Andy said last week, as I read the scripture, like the scripture is fulfilled in me reading this, saying this is who I am. This is what I have come to do. And recently on a Tuesday afternoon during our prayer time, that's right friends, Tuesday at noon, we pray in this room. Um, we were praying over the leadership team. We were praying over our church. We were praying over Pastor Andy and Pastor Lisa. And Brother Zaki prayed this and actually read Isaiah 61 over our church and over our leadership and over Andy and declared that this would be the year of the Lord's favor. And so not only prophetically is this spoken about uh, towards Jesus six, seven hundred years ago, we also believe that God is doing a ministry. Jesus is working in us that we could also carry out his ministry right now. And we believe that it was prophetically spoken in that moment, that it continues to prophetically speak today. Are you following me? This is good. And so let's read Isaiah 61 as the springboard for our message today. It says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And you read this last week. Because of the Lord, excuse me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Right? Like this is what he's saying. Like the good news is from me. He's anointed me to do this. I bring good news to the poor. The gospel, the grace, the, the, the beauty and wonder of Jesus, that people would know me. Like that's the gospel message. We know that. We Coastline Church, we want every person to know God, for revival to start right here. And that happens when you hear the good news. But then he continue on, continues on and says this. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. I love this. To comfort all who mourn 
and provide those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, or the display of his splendor. So again, this is a passage, it's a prophetic word speaking about the ministry of Jesus, and we now get to carry that out. We now get to carry that on, and by the power and the spirit, God has anointed Jesus to preach and to bring freedom. And friends, even though we are rescued, if you're a Christian in here, even though you are rescued by the good news, by the gospel of Jesus, the work of freedom and restoration is still ongoing. Isn't that true? Like, it's, it's still happening. It's still a process. And, and we see this in Exodus 6, where, where God says to the Israelite people, he says, I will bring you out of Egypt, and then I'll bring Egypt out of you. Meaning, just because you're out of slavery doesn't mean your heart doesn't still feel enslaved. Just because you now roam and live free amongst your people, it doesn't mean the trauma and the things that have happened aren't still binding to your soul. Let me say it like this. It's, it's, it's like in this moment where your, your, your spirit is intact with Jesus. Friends, when you accept God, the work is done. Amen? The, uh, the old is gone, the new has come. We believe that with, our whole, with everything in us at this church. Your spirit is intact, but your, your body, but your mind... That is still working in a process of wholeness. That, those places, your spirit is with Jesus. It's, it's whole. But, but, your body, your mind, in those places, we're still seeking, we're still trying to find freedom. I will rescue you from Egypt, God says to his people, and then I will restore Egypt from you. Jesus wants to rescue your heart for eternity, but he also wants to redeem your past. He also wants to restore your present. The heart of Jesus is for you to live in freedom. Can I get an amen in the house today? Can I read this over again? I just want to read part of this Isaiah scripture I think is so good. He wants to bind the brokenhearted. Those those places in your soul that are, are broken, he wants to put them back together. He wants freedom for the captives. For those who feel enslaved by sin or or habit, he wants you to have freedom. I love this imagery, a crown of beauty instead of a crown of ashes. For those who are mourning in here today, he wants to bring you comfort. For those who are, who, who are feeling in despair, he wants you to sing a new song of praise. This is the work of freedom by our God. But from, again, many of us, we, just, we live in this tension of like, how do I do that? I, I, I've received Christ. I know my spirit is now lives with him, but, but still there's this difficulty in my mind or there's this difficulty in my body or, or how come I still deal with this sin? How come I still struggle with the flesh? You've, I've chosen Jesus. My desires, they change. There's a sense of revival even in my heart, yet I still live with temptation, trauma, maybe fear. Well, friends, this is why we are a church of next steps and not one step. This is why we are a church of many steps, because we recognize this is a real battle. I was talking to this wonderful woman after, after church, just talking about this tension of like, I, I read about freedom and yet still I feel like I don't always have it. Why is that? I, I always picture it kind of like a race. Uh, um, does that, if you've been to Nanus Bay camp or if you sent your kids there, back in my day, you know, you know a good story's coming when someone says that. 
Um, they, New Spade Camp is such a wonderful place. love every bit of it. So don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But back when I went to camp, they thought, you know what we should do? We should do two sports a day for seven days a week. Just run these kids ragged. And you know what would be fun? A six-kilometer cross-country run. See how no one, no, it's not fun. Don't clap. That's not fun. We have one runner in the house. We'll pray for you after, Beth. I love you, but we'll pray for you over here and anoint you with oil. And Like, I'll play soccer and run. I, like, I'll play rugby and run, hockey, whatever it is. But running? Just to run? Across the country? That's not fun. Like, I don't... I, like, oh, you know what we'll do? We'll make a 13-year-old run up a massive hill with semi-trucks going by you. That'll be fun for camp. That's what we used to do. You know what, then? I'll make you, I'll make you run on the beach. Psych, the tide is in, you're swimming. Like, what is, that wasn't the news. I remember, like, I'm not a good swimmer. Actually, Georgia will say this to me. She'll be like, Dad, I'm a better swimmer than you. I'm like, yeah, you're kind of right. Like, I'm the guy, I'm the adult with the life jacket in the pool, you know? I can't doggy paddle. Like, that's, that's me. I just, I... I, could, I was so bad at this running, so many of you know, know, have been to camp and you know what it is, and if not, like, I get so anxious, right? Like, I'd go to the canteen, I'd be like, I need 17 Mentos and, and a Gatorade, and I'd get the fruit, and I'd pump myself full of sugar, chug the Gatorade, I would then vomit, no joke, and then run, try and run 5K, whatever it was, and I was just, like, trying so hard. I always remember, like, when you come to the end, you get to the field, and everyone's watching you, and you are running as hard as you can after just being like put through it. And people are like, you can do it, go, go, run faster. Don't you love it when people tell you to run faster when you're so tired? It's like, I almost wanna stop at the very end and be like, this is as fast as these legs move. If you wanna do better, get in the race, you know? And I remember this one year, like literally I was running as fast as I could, as hard as I could to the point where my legs quite literally gave out. You ever had that moment? Just me? Okay, good to know. Like, and it was like, I like went through the line and it was just like jelly, like just collapsed. And I tumbled and I remember hitting my face and I was just like, I just was lying there at the end. of People were running over me. I didn't care because it was over, right? It is finished. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And the race is, like, the analogy is there where the race is over. You've met Jesus. Salvation is there. Your spirit now rests with him. Yet, my body is still so tired, right? Like, now I'm going to army crawl to the little bowl of oranges that 700 people are trying to eat up, right? I'm going to waddle to the shower. I'm going to somehow make it to chapel. It's finished, friends. And I, don't, I want to make sure that's so clear, that when God does a work in your heart, when you say yes to Jesus, you are his, that there is a place for you in heaven, that he loves you and sees you, that he begins to work in your life. The spirit is like an imprint, like a, like a stamp on your heart. But finding freedom in our mind or in our body, there is still a tension. It is finished, his victory is real, and he has won it. And yet some of us still feel like we're just lying there, like, I know that I'm done, but something still doesn't feel right, you know? Something doesn't quite feel right. And I recognize that tension. In Coastline Church, we recognize that tension. That's why we don't just say like, you love Jesus, great, have a perfect week, everything is gonna be awesome, roses and rainbows, every day, all day, nothing will hurt. No, we recognize there are real tensions that will come up maybe this week. 
that there may be a struggle, that some of you may be mourning something, that there might be a real tension, a struggle. And so we see that. And the truth is, you can be saved by grace and yet still struggle with a slave-like mentality. You can, but that's our heart, is that you would find freedom, that we at Coastal Church, that you are free, but we gotta work together in it. And I wanna explain how. I wanna talk about it a little bit more. I'm gonna take this into the letter to the Galatians, which was really a letter to a region, not necessarily just a church. And it's interesting, the, the main central theme of this letter is freedom in Christ. And you could go home and you could read it today, it would maybe take you 20 minutes or 30 minutes or so, whatever, uh, however long it takes, but it wouldn't be long. And you'll see that Paul's definitely frustrated. He, he's not happy. It's his angry letter. Like, he, he gets in it real quick. Like, by verse 6, he's like, so, what's going on here, everybody? Like, this isn't, this isn't going so hot. And I bring it to you because, truthfully, it's, it, the main theme is freedom. And yet, for them, they've struggled. They've struggled in a few ways, just like us. Like, I think we do struggle in finding freedom. We know God, but finding freedom, that's a journey. That's a struggle. And I think for a few reasons. Firstly, it's this. One reason I think that we struggle to find freedom is that grace, it's, it's just, it overwhelms us. Especially if you're a new Christian in the house, like just a recent, like grace is an old, it's, it's wild, isn't it? That God, like, I remember even thinking that myself, like when I really like accepted Christ, I remember sitting in, in the basement I was renting in the, in the room and just thinking, God, you love me? All of me? Every part? Even my past? Like, that notion for us sometimes is a bit of, like, it, it's a bit of a hurdle. Like, I know I receive it, God, but this gift of grace just, I don't know. It's overwhelming. It's like you really, truly want a relationship with me, the sinner. Perfect, almighty God. Holy and wonderful. I, was, I came across a quote this week. It said this. I want to read it to you. It says, it never ceases to amaze me. This is a writer. When God wants to take someone to the next level in their life and they let fear of the unknown rob them of this tremendous blessing. I think there are two common problems with Christians, he writes. They are scared to death of being truly free and secondly, of God's overwhelming love. Man. Friends, there is no greater love and peace than the love of Jesus. Yes, if you're wondering, like I wondered, does God really love me? Is this grace truly for me? The answer emphatically is yes, absolutely. He died on the cross for you and for me, and he'd do it again. He'd do it again. He sees you, all of you, and says yes, but, but he doesn't know all, like all, yes, the answer is yes. And I know it can seem overwhelming and almost scandalous, but grace is for you. There is a greater peace and love. There's something so powerful about the grace of Jesus. And it's not that you deserve it, because truthfully we don't, but, but that's why it's grace, because we didn't. And still he says, it's a free gift for you for every person in this room, for every person outside of this room. It's a free gift, and I hope you can sense it today. Paul wrote this in Galatians 2, verse 19. He says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. When I tried to do all the rules, when I tried to be perfect in the regulations of, 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 of walking this perfect line, it condemned me. I couldn't live up to it. Romans talks about this. We all fall short. 
so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I, what? I love this. I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. There it is. Knowing God. Salvation, right? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by what? Trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die at all. We need him. We need this gift. And yeah, I can feel overwhelming. And he's saying, listen, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So every day I choose to trust him. I, I choose to, to say, God, I want more of you and less of myself. God, I, I say, I trust you, Jesus. You gave yourself for me. I do not treat this as meaningless. I treat this as the most precious gift in my life, in my house, in my heart, and therefore I try my best to live within it. Not because I have to, not because that's how I get to heaven, but because you've already done the great work and I am best, I am at my best finding freedom. I have the most joy when I live in that grace. That's what he's trying to say. Because it's overwhelming, it's a lot. Theologically, we would say, you know, salvation takes place, that moment happens, and then that's kind of being made right with God, justification, and then there's this place of sanctification. The everyday, slowly, do, slowly trying to become and look more like Jesus. That's the heart. That's where we find ourselves. So friends, trust Jesus. Like Paul writes to these, these people, he's saying, stop trying to add to it or subtract to it. Trust Jesus. Receive the gift. The gift. Excuse me. Live every day enjoying and elevating grace. It's where we're all meant to live. The second reason I think it's hard to find freedom is it's just hard confronting hardship. No one wants to talk about, like, hey, I'd love to tell you everything I've ever done that's really difficult. Like, that's not, like, exciting conversation. We don't want to talk about the sin in our life. We don't want to bring up hard moments, hurtful moments. We don't want to, you know, explain or, or live again the trauma or embrace any trauma and then move on. Like, that's, that's challenging. It's challenging. Uh, I, I've come to realize, kind of through COVID in my own life, it's, I think it's easier, or I, let me say it like this. I trap myself in thinking that it's easier to live with the pain than, than to deal with it, right? It's a trap that living with the pain is just easier than to truly walk through it and to find freedom and feel released from it. We think that this burden that just weighs on our shoulders, that's just how I'm supposed to live and I'll just walk with this. I'm so bad for this. I have back pain even right now, like for the last few weeks. And Trina has continued, like, go get yourself checked out. I'm just like, I'm fine. I'll just keep cracking my back and neck like I think I know what I'm doing, like, right? That's what everyone does. There's a chiropractor in here somewhere being like, this guy, what is he doing? And I'll just sit in staff meeting while Andy's talking, doing this for four hours, thinking I'm actually getting better. It's not doing anything. My back still hurts. I think all I did was change my pillow and then poof, for three weeks, I've been out. Anyone else? You know you're old when, right? Why are you hurt? I didn't do anything. I just changed my pillow and now I'm in pain. And it's like, why would we live through that? Why do we keep walking this way? It's not easier. It's actually harder. And you know what happens? It affects the people around us. 
And I think we really feel like, oh, listen, this is my pain. I'm alone in this. It's not fair to bring anyone else. Friends, nothing could be further from the truth. When it comes to the gospel, when, when the grace of Jesus impacts our life, everything changes. One, the spirit of God goes with you. You are not alone. And I think we think we have to deal with this on our own. And Jesus is saying, hold on. No, no, I'm here. I'm with you. The Spirit of God now lives in us, Pastor Laura mentioned when she was up here. That's how we move forward, with the Spirit leading us, with the Spirit comforting us. When we feel all alone, when we're feeling frustrated, when we're feeling heavy, coming to the Spirit of God and saying, God, replace my fear with, with family, with, with, with a vibe that says, God, I know you're close to me. Rest on me right now. Replace this burden with your grace and with your rest. The Spirit goes with you. And also, you're not alone. When you, when you say yes to Jesus, you're adopted into the family of God. Friends, look around you right now. You're in the house of God. This is the family of God, and it is for you. It's for you. This is why, as a church, we continue to say, get in a small group, get in a small group, get in a small group. And you think we're going to get tired of it, and I promise you, we never will. Because you need one. Because you're not meant to do life alone. That's not like a hallmark saying. That's biblical, that when you, are, when you come into the family of God, you're so much, not just, your life isn't just better, you are truly living in discipleship and Christian community the way God designed it. I think we got so bad at friendship. You may have heard me say this. We as people got so bad at friendship that the church came up with small groups. It's not like, go read Acts 14, and church shall run small group ministry to put them on Wednesday nights to double tithe. no. No, we got so bad at being together as one, championing each other, being hospitable. We got so separate. We got so in our own worlds that we forgot that this is how God designed it. Friends, the pew is great, and this morning has been wonderful, and worship was fantastic, and I'm hoping and praying that you're encouraged by the word of God. But being in a circle rubbing shoulders with people, opening up about things that are hard, receiving prayer, going to someone like Darlene's house who is ready to open up their home and put out chairs and bake a banana bread. Everybody loves a banana bread, right? Can I get an amen? Like to go, so you don't have to make banana bread, but it's just, you know, it's a nice touch, it's nice. You know, you go somewhere and there's, there's, there's biscuits out and tea and the coffee's and you're just with God's people. You're not alone. Don't walk through your pain alone. Is there a conflict? This is what Paul writes in Galatians 3 now. Then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, then we could be made right with God obeying it. Again, he's elevating the tension. And he says this in verse 22. But the scriptures declare that we, us, all of us, were prisoners of sin. But we receive God's promise of freedom by believing in Jesus Christ. Not I, not you, we were prisoners and we are together in Christ Jesus. We were trapped by our sin and we received God's promise of freedom by believing in Jesus, by meeting together, by discussing one, with one another, by praying with one another. Are you seeing it this morning? Jesus is with you. You're not alone. There's people around you. Get in a small group. Finally, I think why we get just, why it's difficult for us to find freedom is we get trapped by a false gospel. And this is what really happened with this, this group of people, this church, is that, that people had come in, Judaizers, you may have heard that term in Sunday school, but they had come in where they were saying, yes, you can have Jesus, 
and faith in Jesus and grace in Jesus, but you also need to make sure you follow all the festivals and uh, the, the moon cycles and wash your hands properly and get circumcised for sure. That's an important one. And so we want to look, I'm serious. That's the main argument of the book of Galatians is that people wanted these Christians, these, these, they were technically mercenaries, like Celtic mercenaries that had come into this region. And, and now these Jews are coming in saying, you can have a little bit of Jesus, but we also want you to have circumcision. So make sure it's both. It's like this key argument. Paul literally, he gets so frustrated at this. He gets so frustrated because they're adding to the gospel and it's making them slaves to the law rather than free in Christ. It's making them slaves to rules and obligations rather than enjoying the law and love of Jesus, the law of love that doesn't lead to obligation. It leads you to obedience, a love for the Father that makes you want to walk out in his steps because you know it's the right path for you. This is what he writes in Galatians 5, which is a common scripture. You may have heard this before. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Like, he's baffled. He was like, you were once there. Why do you want to go back? Why are you doing it? It's like, for me, when I see people drinking a pumpkin spice latte in August, I don't get it. Why would you do that? The fall is coming, just stay in summer. Okay, I had to throw it in there, I'm sorry. But you understand what I'm saying, right? Like, it's like, Paul's like, I don't, I don't understand why you would want that. What, don't listen to this. This is, this is not right. This is not the gospel. He actually says, I think it's in the first chapter of Galatians. He literally says, even if an angel come down, comes down and tells you this, it's not right. Do not put yourself under that yoke, that burden, that slavery mindset. Shift your heart to rest in the freedom of God. He's not calling you to live that way. Mark my words, it says in verse 2. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, he's bringing up the issue, Christ will be of no value to you at all. He's saying you're literally choosing this circumcision over Christ. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated then to obey the entire law, the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. Hear this, and I think he's saying this really pastorally. You have fallen away from the very first thing we talked about, grace. If you add to the gospel... Christ is of no value to you. If you end up making up your own, I want a little bit of this. I've heard someone talk about this recently that that often in the West we practice Christian Buddhism. I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of karma and I'll take a little bit of, I like the love of Jesus. Uh, Sin, no, that's, I don't want to judge anyone. And we end up adding and subtracting all these pieces. You know what it ends up doing? It makes us slaves to rules, slaves to the law when in fact God is saying, listen, I've freed you from that. I've given you grace in your heart. Now let's work on getting freedom on your body, in your mind, in your soul. Your spirit is with me. Your spirit is saved. It is finished. There's a victory for you. So choose that victory every day and let's find freedom in the community of God that we can find rest and hope and wholeness with our God. That's what he's saying. So how do we actually shift from a slavery mindset? You've heard me talk about it. 
You've heard me talk about why I think it's difficult to find freedom, but how do we shift from a slavery mindset? How, how do we, we don't even realize sometimes that we've slipped into a slavery mentality by thinking, you know, we honor God by following the law, you know, but really we honor ourselves thinking we're doing the right things and God is saying, no, 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 right? How do we shift? Friends, we, very simply, we embrace sonship, not slavery. And I think it's about, here's, what, here's where I am t- this morning. There's a lot of steps you could take. I, I mentioned this morning, in, in January, in the new year, we'll be running Freedom, which is a fantastic, infant, it's like Alpha, we run it for about 12 weeks. There, um, there's a conference at the end. It's a great place for you. But, but our foundation of who we are, that's where this starts. The journey of Freedom starts with where Pastor Andy left off, where Isaiah 61.1 speaks about, where I, Exodus 6 speaks about, Exodus 6.6. If we have met with Jesus and, we, and God has put his mark on our heart, then we have to embrace sonship. We have to take a moment and recognize our inheritance as children of God. Our inheritance as children of God changes our mindset. It, it changes us from being slaves to the law to, to children of the Father of heavens. And I would implore you, I would ask you every day that you would tr- try your best to, to remember and recite and recall and bring forth to mind the inheritance and adoption of being a son and being a daughter of the Most High. Like it starts there. It starts there. I want you to know it starts with recognizing that when God saved us, he said, I've adopted you into the family of God. You are mine. We sang a song that talked about that, that I, I am who you say I am. I'm a child of the living God. I am who you say I am. I'm a child of the King Most High. Like That's who I am. That's where my identity is found. And with that as my mindset, I journey through finding freedom in everyday life. But if our mindset, if our posture is one of, God doesn't love me, I have to work for it, I have to do these eight things right, I didn't read my Bible enough this week, then we're actually trapping ourselves under the yoke, the burden of slavery, and freedom is going to be very challenging. Your spirit is saved, but your body and your mind needs freedom. I want to read to you just a little bit more scripture. Paul writes this. You can close your eyes. You can just read it with me on the screens, but please let this sink in. Before the coming of this faith, this is Galatians 3, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. You see, the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith in him. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. We are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are of Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. And then if you flip the page in your Bible, it's Galatians 4.4. He says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. Verse seven, such a great verse. Write this somewhere in your, this week where you can see it again and again. Put it on your mirror. Put a sticky note in your kid's lunchbox. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. That's our position. That's our foundation. And when we keep that center, when we keep that as our rock, when we keep that as what we value, at Coastline Church, that we will preach that. We will let you know that if you have received Jesus, then you are, you've been adopted into his family, that sonship is yours. But will you reach out? Will you take it? Will you be like the brother who comes home or you be the brother who stands outside of the party? And although his inheritance is right there, he doesn't want it. He's slave to the things in Luke 15. Can I just say quickly about this scripture? Ladies in the house, sonship is for all. He's not saying sonship and daughtership. He doesn't say that and it's, and it's for good reason. Women at this time didn't receive inheritance like, like the younger boys would have. In a household, the father would have divvied up his land and given a double portion to his eldest son. Then the rest of the land goes to the rest of the sons and then the daughters would have just received like a dowry of some sort of whatever value he decided. And when they got married, they went with that. That's it. And Paul's actually trying to create the contrast here. He's saying Jew, Greek, Gentile, male, female, doesn't matter. Young, old, coastline church, from Canada, not from Canada. Every single person, male or female, receives the full inheritance, absolutely equal, the joy of being with God, freedom for you and for me, every single piece of it, sonship, inheritance, heirship for you and me. Friends, we're citizens of heaven. This is worth getting excited about. This is what he's trying to tell you that freedom can really be yours. But not if we stand outside the party. Not if we stand alone. Not if we let the law dictate our relationship with Jesus. He doesn't want you to feel obligated to it. In fact, the word Abba, Father, it is an intimate word that kids use. It doesn't really mean daddy. It really means father, but father, I will obey you. Because you are my father, like a child to his father, I will walk with you. Because you are a dad, because you have done this for me, this grace, I recognize you as father God, and I will obey you because I know it's what's best for me. It's what helps me. It's the best place to be. Not my own life, not my own path, not my own ways, not under slavery, not under the law, not under obligation, but under obedience as a child of the living God. As we wrap up right now, and I will pray for you one moment, I hope and pray that you're sensing your identity in Christ today. Because he's done that. He's He's marked you. You are his, right? We've said that again and again. Your spirit is saved fully and wholly with him. But to find freedom in some of these other areas, it starts with knowing your identity in Christ, son and daughter of the Most High. That love that you have for your child. There's people watching online. Maybe you're home with your kids. Maybe they're sick and they're cuddled up with you right now. Maybe you're watching in the nursery or the mother's nursing room. Maybe your kid is beside you right now. That love you have for your child. It's how he sees you today. It's how he sees you today, church. 
Receive it. Can I pray over you? You can just stay seated if you want. I want you to receive today. I want you to receive today. I don't want you to stay the same. We don't want you to just come and be and go and travel alone. If you're lonely in here, the Spirit of God wants to be with you. Receive the good news, but more than that, start your journey of freedom. Heavenly Father, would you say that? Just Heavenly Father. We come to you as Father, Lord. We, we come to you knowing that you have purchased, that you've gone to the cross, that you've done a work that none of us could do. And we come to you, Jesus, right now with all of who we are, the up and the down, the, the heavy, the burdened, God, for the person who has continued to try and just live a perfect life according to whether it's Ten Commandments or, or, or whatever it is, God, I just pray, Jesus, that you would break something in them that feels this pressure to be perfect and show them how much you love them, that they don't need to follow the letter of the law. They need to follow the letter of Christ, the law of Christ, the love of Jesus. God, would we be people who walk out obedience? Absolutely not obligation, not rule, but out of love for you, God. Heavenly Father, for the person who is facing disappointment, who is facing like they just feel honestly burdened, like, like a heavy yoke, like something is weighing on their shoulders, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you would begin to break off the little things that are holding them down, like chains. I see chains literally just breaking for the people, God, who, whose heart is bitter, for the, who, who just forgiveness for whatever reason cannot come in. There's a hardness in their heart. I pray you would begin to chip away little piece by little piece, God, that they would see clearly whose they are, not just who they are as a person, but whose they are, a child of the Most High, that they would right now receive, remember, recall, and bring to their memory that they are a son and daughter of God, and that we would be people at Coastline Church who truly live free, who live free in you, Jesus, who do whatever we can with what we have in our human abilities, coming to you, God, who can do immeasurably more, believing that, God, you're working on us every single day for freedom. God, I pray for that person who has tried a small group but it hasn't worked. Would they run this, this, this semester and get around people to love them and pray with them? God, I, I pray every person in this place wouldn't be alone, that they'd feel together with your community and with you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We embrace our, our inheritance and we ask, Jesus, that you would help us to see ourselves right now the way you see us, as children of God. Come on, somebody, somebody say, I'm a child of God. Come on, it didn't sound like you meant it. I'm a child of God. Come on, would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing that song. I am who you say I am. I see, I see what you see now, God. Come on, create that foundation. Create that place where we know where we need to be to find freedom. Come on, sing it out, church. Believe for it.